are you gonna miss me Aaron? Don't think this will not happen to you. So we have to be aware of uh, the uh, mortality of our bodies. But we also we have to be convinced of the immortality of us, the spirit soul. You see? I don't see how anybody could deal with uh, life if you didn't believe in God and have, you know? I think a lot of people kind of make up their own thing. That's how they deal. That's how they cope. Because if you don't have any idea what's going to happen to you at the time of death, then uh, that's an unknown, and that's what we fear. We fear the unknown more than anything. So, you know Dr. Bob, Tall Bob? He works in uh, hospices. hospices you know. Is that good? Is that good for you? Yeah, it's good for me. It's not in your way. Yes. And... Uh, I asked him, I said, what's any, any, are there any commonalities of people that are in a place that are about to die? And he said, yeah, well, many of them say, Bob, I'm scared. You know, they know that they're going to die soon. You know, hospice is a place where you go to die. Usually, they won't let you in a hospice unless you've got uh, uh, less than six months to live, you know. So, yeah, they get, they're worried. It's, I don't know what's going to happen. So, uh, I'm feeling some fear. So, uh, Shula Prabhupada, up till the very last minute, showed no fear. There was no fear. Because he knew exactly uh, what he was, what he was about to do. So, spiritually fit. Um, <clears throat> what does this mean? Have you, has anybody given much thought to this? Spiritually fit? Are we... Well, let's ask questions. Should we go around the room or should we write them down? What do you think? Mm, go around the room. Right? All right. Instead of writing them down. Pretty, pretty. All right, then you go first. Are you spiritually fit? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, there's certain parts of your body that can be more fit than others, right? <laughs> I feel like, you know, this, like for example, the jaw might be really fit because we talk a lot. Or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Is that a yes or a no? I don't consider myself, I'm trying to get there. All right. Good. That's a good answer. Yeah. Anybody else? Who's... Spiritually fit. I know with fitness, you got to keep going to the gym. Yeah. You got to keep going. Stay consistent. You, you get fit, and then you got to maintain fit. <laughs> uh, because if we slack off, then we start to go a little downhill. And we, sh we usually don't notice it until we go to put our pants on and they're a little too small. Because <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you can slack off. It's like you can pull the plug on a fan and the blades keep spinning. Why? Did it really need that electricity all this time? You know, you unplugged it, it's still fanning. You can still feel it's blowing air, but it's slowly, slowly winding down. Uh, just like I was talking to Mothers and Dominie just a few minutes ago. <clears throat> I stopped in to give her her birthday present. And uh, I want to share this with you. I gave her a birthday present. You know, we've got this thing. We always give each other very nice birthday presents. And so uh, on my way back across New Mexico, I stopped at a place to uh, relieve myself from some distress. And uh, this place I stop at, I mean, it's, it's like that road... I-10, and all the way to North Carolina and South Carolina. I know every place along that road. I've been through there so many times. So I'm familiar with this place. So I thought, wow, I'm going to see if they've got a sale on T-shirts. They have some cool T-shirts. So I got her a, like a $7 T-shirt. 
and it's a color that she likes, one of her favorite colors. Mm. So I put it in a, in a little bag with <clears throat> some tissue in it. And, and so I went over to her house and I said, oh, I've got your, your birthday present. And I'm thinking she's gonna pull the, the tissue out and see this dinky t-shirt and give me a look, you know, like. No chop. Huh? No chop. <laughs> no chocolate. <laughs> uh, no, nothing, just a t-shirt. And but she was like, oh, thank you. This is so nice. It's my color, too. And I'm thinking, I said, that's it? I didn't even get the look. Like <laughs> No, it's really nice. And I had the I had the real present was hidden in her hedges outside, so I said, well. It didn't work the way I expected, so I went out and I got her a, mm. I got her a present, you know, I got her some nice, uh, a nice towel, mm. uh, towel set, two sets, you know, because mm. she doesn't, she, she doesn't spend any money on herself and things like that, so I like to give her some, some nice things. So, uh, anyway. That's why I was late. That's my excuse. We got to talking. And Sorry, you did more than I <clears throat> Got on the subject of El Paso, and El Paso is just—it's just like it, it's like on fire. So sometimes Krishna surprises us. You know, we work, 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 sow seeds for years, and then all of a sudden we see it's flourishing. You know, it's it's, it's quite amazing. You know. I mean, it really is. It's quite a, it's miraculous as far as I'm concerned. So... Are we meeting at somebody's house right now? Or yeah, they've got people kind of stuff. Yeah, it's at somebody's house. <clears throat> but this devotee, Bhakta Freddy, lives... Uh, he's got an unusual place. Uh, he's also a Tai Chi teacher. He teaches martial arts, Tai Chi. He's very expert. So he's a teacher... So he found a house that has, the, like the front room is, is what he uses for his dojo. It's very large, you know? And so, um, then he's got a couple of bedrooms and a kitchen, but most of the house is the one big open room so that he's got deities there. All right, Krishna, good to see you. Hi, Krishna. And uh, Lord Jagannath, Baladeva, Subhadra have come to live there, so. It's got a nice altar, and so it's it's a temple, you know. It's a temple because Jagannath says it's a temple. So, uh, yeah, that's you know, uh, Bhakti Freddy's mercy. He's opens his house up and has programs there, and things are going very nicely. He came to uh, a class that I gave about ten years ago at a, a yoga. Uh, salon, yoga studio, and so, uh, you know, I've always had the habit of just straight philosophy, you know, and not make it rosy or anything, because it's, it's a yoga group, and typically the yoga groups, they don't want to get too spiritual, you know, they want to exercise, so they want something quasi so I'm sitting there, you know, punching away with philosophy, you know. You know, but you're a spirit soul and you need to you, you need you need to find God and you need to identify who God is. You need to start a relationship with God. So I was going like that. So um so Bhakti Freddy was there and he heard it and he Somehow or other, I gave him a Bhagavad Gita that night or something. But anyway, so he went away. Ten years, he's reading Bhagavad Gita. So then he decided to look me up. <laughs> so, um, and he had met Chaitanya Chandra, who's spending a lot of time in, in El Paso. And uh, so I get this email from him, you know, on Facebook. He found me on Facebook. And he said, you know, I don't know if you remember me. Well, I didn't. You know, it's ten years. I didn't remember and all these years, I've read Bhagavad Gita and I've chanted. And I'm going to get real serious now. I'm ready to get serious. So now he's going to be initiated. So yeah. we never know. You never know. We can't be attached to the results. You know, we do the yoga. We do the sacrifice. 
And we can't be attached to the results. However, how can you not, right? When you meet someone and you connect with them, you want them to go back to Godhead. So you become attached to them going back to Godhead. So how can you not? How can you say, well, you know, you just do what you want to do and just move on to the next part. You can't. I can't. You know, most of my, uh, most of the preachers that I know, they, they just can't. They are attached to your, well, your welfare. So um, anyway, it's very gratifying to see how things are coming along. Do you know, uh, do you guys remember Adon? Yeah. You remember Adon and his mother? Yeah. They're, they're going to be initiated, both of them. Awesome. Yeah. Hilda said, I've been wanting to do this for years. Yeah, she was Aww. sweet. No, I think you were. Why didn't you ask me? But it's like Indra Swami told me. He said, sometimes you can't wait for people to approach you. You have to go up and tell them. You should be initiated. You know? I said, well, yeah, okay. I mean, that's the... He's a pro, so I... And he's one of my heroes, so. Oh, man, that's good. What is that? Oh, that's good. All right, so is he ever going to give class or not, right? That's what you're thinking. Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> Where's he going with this? We're talking about spiritual fitness. You know, you get fit, and then you stay fit. You have to maintain fitness. Um, many years ago, uh, <laughs> many years ago, <laughs> wow, I just realized how many. I have a really good friend in uh, Dallas. Uh, I helped him become a devotee in 1976. Mm -hmm. So we were in Dallas together and during the 80s. And so we were going to the gym and working out a lot. We actually became pretty fanatic. We even bought, we found a, we were in, in business in Dallas. We found a, a gym that was going out of business. So we bought their dumbbells and their weights and bought a lot of that stuff, professional stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we had a, a spare office. We had a suite of offices to do our business out of. And the inner office didn't have any windows or anything so we decided to use it and we'll put our we'll make this our gym and so uh we would work all day this mature not and so we'd work all day and then we would spend at least two sometimes three hours every night working out you know we were crazy about it and so we both got in a you know we built up mass and strength and we were like whoa thinking we were so, and you can see where that went. I didn't stay fit. <laughs> I got busy years after that. And, and so I didn't maintain the fitness. Although they say once you build it up, it's, it never really truly goes away. They say that. I'm afraid to find out. <laughs> so you get fit and you have to remain fit. So... Uh, how do we get fit? Consistency? Huh? By being consistent? Yeah, but what is the activity? Consistency is there, yeah. Chant. Chanting. Starts with chanting. And? I was just going to say that there needs to be some kind of like resistance, some kind of uh, yogi, some kind of sacrifice. Yeah, and that you get is chanting. Yeah. Because people don't want to chant. I mean, the problem that I see is a lot of people think, uh, I don't want to spend two hours a day chanting. You know, can I just give it a little bit here and a little bit there? And do I even have to count the, the rounds? Why can't I just chant a little? And, you know, so. Um, but yeah, we have to do the sacrifice. We have to do the yoga. The, the we have to. It's just like if you want to uh, pass the test, 
Well, Michelle, you just passed a big exam, didn't you? We had to do a lot of jugya. You had to do a lot of sacrifice, didn't you? <laughs> I mean, she can attest. She knows. She just went through it. She study, study, <laughs> work, work hard. You make that. It's like passing any kind of test, you know, uh, getting an education, uh, working your job. You know, sometimes your job is very demanding. You have to really do it. So you have to perform the activity, the sacrifice, the austerity, and then there's some result. So with spiritual austerity, which is the chanting of Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, the result is Krishna gives you what you're praying for. So what are we praying for? Please engage me in your loving devotional service. So Krishna, he, when he senses some sincerity, he says, okay, here you go. You can have some service. So this completes the circuit. My dear Lord, first of all, you've come through the influence of somebody. Uh, you come to the realization that I want to, I need to, and I think I want to serve God. I want to do this devotional service. Not just here. I actually want to do it. I want to taste it. And so Krishna says, I taste your sincerity. So here, oh, here's your opportunity. And then after some time of chanting, doing service, then he may send you his devotees. You may become in contact with the devotees. Oh. And if things work out well, you may actually come in contact with the guru. And from that, you get connected to the disciplic succession, become part of that. So now, you've been working out, you've been chanting, you've been doing service, you've been hearing, associating with the devotees, reading. So you've got shadu, the assembled devotees, you've got shastra, you know, the scriptures. And so uh, you hook up with the guru. So now you've got the complete set. Guru, sadhu, shastra. Now you have become fit. Now you're going to, as with any workout, you're going to continue, you know, to get more and more fit, you know. And so, but as we discussed, you also have to maintain. You have to maintain fitness. So that means that we have, it's not that we go do it. Once it's done, it's finished. No, we have to work out on a regular basis, you see. So we chant on a regular basis, uh, and we, uh, we hear. It's like uh, my dear friend, Godbrother Vaisheshika Prabhu, I like the way he says this. You've got to, to advance and become fit in Krishna consciousness. You've got to hear. You've got to hear a lot. You gotta hear a lot every day. <laughs> now he's not a fanatic. He's just telling you the truth. You see, you gotta hear it every day, a lot. What's a lot? As much as you, you gotta hear it. Uh, that's becoming spiritually fit. Uh, I remember uh, back in the seventies, just before Keshava was born, I was living at. Uh, uh, your mother and I were living at Gita Nagari, the Krishna farm. <clears throat> Does everybody know where Gita, know about Gita Nagari? It's a wonderful farm out in the middle of the Amish country, out in Pennsylvania. And uh, we were out there. We were doing organic gardening before, way before it was cool. We were doing organic gardening when people thought it was, why are you doing that? Well, fertilizer's cheap, you know? So why are you doing that? So everybody except the Amish. The Amish were doing it. So everybody else thought we were nuts, you know? We had this fantastic prize-winning herd of brown Swiss cows. 70, 72, beautiful, healthy, wonderful, <laughs> fantastic cows. And... Uh, until we came along, the Amish won the, the county 
uh, a county fair. Their herd of cows won the county fair every year for like, I don't know, 100 years or so. <laughs> then along comes the Hare Krishnas, and we started winning. <laughs> so the Amish, they weren't upset, but they were curious. You know, Their first language is uh, German, so they speak broken English, so they would come and visit. You know, what you do with those cows? You know? And uh, we told them we love them. They know that we won't hurt them. They know we won't eat them. And so we became friends with them. But uh, to get back to the subject, I was there with Bori John, one of my, everyone, you know who Bori John is? You know Bori John? Author of, author of certain, I can't remember his books. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Other, um, One of the very first disciples, I should call it. Yeah. And he was saying that, honey, uh, he, he is a, he's from New York. So he talks in a New York accent. And he was saying, we got to remember, we got to put Shastra in our mouth, uh, in our head. Because then Shastra will come out. But if you put garbage in your head, then, like, you know, mundane things, then garbage will start to come out of your mouth. That makes sense, you know, what you hear goes in one end, comes in, you know, it'll start coming, you'll start to speak it. You see? So to stay fit, we've got to hear. We've got to hear from authorized uh, sources. We have to be careful what do we hear. You see? Someone may say, uh, it's like, you never know what you're going to hear. But uh, I remember there was this, this uh, um, staunch brahmachari in Dallas. And one time it was on Ekadashi. And Maturanath and I had to go to, uh, <laughs> Keshava knows the relationship Maturanath and I have. We're, we're like, uh, uh, I guess some people would call us clowns, you know. But we're very good at it. You know, Maturanath can be the perfect straight man. He'd make you believe he's serious. And then I, we would be setting people up to spring a joke on him. And we did that. You know, in the old days, we had a lot of fun. We had a, we, we worked hard, but we had a lot of fun. So Maturanath and I are in his little pickup truck, and we're heading down the street. We're going to go to the hardware store, which is right next door to this pizza shop that we always like to sneak off to once in a while. And so uh, this one brahmachari says, where are you guys going? He says, ah, oh, we're going for a surprise. Hop in. And he said, oh, okay. So we hopped in the back of the truck and we pulled up in front of the pizza place. <laughs> and he said, Prabhu, we, what is he called us? We can have pizza today? And we're like, huh? His name was Damodar. He said, Damodar, come on. He was a disciple of Jamal Krishna Maharaj. Hey, look, that's just for new kids. You know, they only tell you that to get you started. We don't follow all that stuff. And Maturanath, Matkeshva knows Maturanath. He's like, yeah, Damodar, I mean, come on. You don't have to follow that forever. I mean, you, you don't really believe that, do you? I mean, you can still be, you can still be a good, you think all the Big devotees, do you think they follow that silly thing? That's just a basically to see if you'll do it. And Dominar's, what? No, no, I can't do it. I won't do it. I won't, I won't have pizza on the codice. And then so I said, All right, well, then will you go to the hardware store with us? <laughs> and then he was like, Damn, you guys, you did it again. <laughs> So he set them up and then, and then spring the joke, you know. So. April Fool's? Huh? Yeah, April Fool's, but it was April all the time. <laughs> so, uh, but you never know what you're going to hear, you know. You, you never know. Uh, so you have to be careful. We have to, to stay fit, we have to be careful. What do we hear? Who do you hear from? You have to be very careful, you see. So, I remember I was going on a tour of uh, 
the North American temples. I think it was in 1980. <coughs> I was a temple president in uh, Dallas and uh, uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj was my GBC and he was domiciled there in Dallas. So I want to go on tour and uh, so I said, uh, you know, Marsh, do you have any, any, any suggestions? I knew he's going to have a million suggestions because he did, you know. We had a, that kind of relationship. He was always helping. Well, he was very close with Prabhupada and Prabhupada was always giving him information and he took, he took a great delight in sharing that information for people who would take it seriously, you know. And so he says, yes, I have one instruction. As you go around temple to temple to temple, associate with, if there's a sannyasi there, associate with a sannyasi. Maybe there's a GBC. So the GBC and sannyasi, the temple president, maybe if he's qualified, the temple vice president. But nobody else, unless you're doing the talking. Because you never know what you're going to hear. You know, you hear all kinds of things. People will say this, that, and, and it's like, uh, remember Keshva, we were talking about, uh, what was it, Prasadam Room, Prasadam Room talk. He was calling me when I was traveling around. And he was saying, is it true that such and such? Is, oh, that's what, where did you hear that? And said, we were saying that in the Prasadam room. So after a while, I said, don't eat. The, take your breakfast and go eat someplace else, you know, because you never know. It's like one time uh, I picked Tamal Krishna Maharaj up from the airport in New York. He had just come back from uh, being with Prabhupada in India. So I picked him up in New York, and we went to Gitanagari which is like, uh, I don't know, maybe three hours drive from Manhattan. How far is Harrisburg from? It's about right. It's been so long, I don't remember. It's about right. Yeah. So he had this wonderful yeah. chat. He had just left Prabhupada, and he was in such a wonderful mood, and we're just like, oh, wow. So we got to Gita Nagari, and we sat down to take Prasadam, and so this devotee comes, and they're serving out, and this devotee gives... Maharaj ate two chickpeas. No, three. Three chickpeas. And so, uh, Tamal Krishna Maharaj says, give me some more. That's not enough. And this, this new devotee, he's talking to Tamal Krishna Maharaj, you know, of all people, he says, Maharaj, if you have more than three chickpeas, it's, you're in Maya. Tamal looked at me and said, like it's my, it was always my fault. You know? <laughs> he looked at me and said, why is he saying this? Where does he get this stuff? <laughs> you know, and he said, that's nonsense. Give me a handful. You know, <laughs> devotees give him more. And he said, you know, these things get started. So there was this thing going around this on North America that you, if you have more than three chickpeas in a, in a day, <laughs> You would be in Maya because it would create too much of a sex desire because they're so high in protein. This is all speculation, you know. So, Jamal was saying, Did you know this? And I said, Well, yeah. He said, Why didn't you say something? I said, I didn't want to start the. He says, From now on, start it. Start it. You got to tell them, No, this is wrong. I said, Oh, no, I will. And so, uh, yeah, so you never know. So you have to be careful. Who do we hear from? What's my source? You have to be very careful, you know, uh, to get fit and stay fit. You have to be careful. So but part of getting fit, and I found this, there's a couple of verses that I want to read tonight. One of them is, uh, how do you know when you're getting fit or when you're, Pretty much there. You're getting to the point where you're starting to level off and you'll continue to get more and more fit. But you get to the point where you're you're at that first major stage. Uh, and this isn't, it's uh, 
Uh, we get this from Arjuna in the second chapter of Bhagavad Gita, in the seventh verse. So this just came to me. I had another plan, but I'm going to use this one and then part of the other plan too. So Arjuna says to Krishna, uh, Arjuna, he's looking at the battlefield and he doesn't want to fight. You know, he looks out there and he's thinking, well, I know him. I want to kill that guy. And gee whiz, that's my cousin. And where's my grandfather? I don't want to kill those people. They're on the opposite side. So he's making all of these arguments and Krishna's shooting them down one after the other. You know, <laughs> so, um, finally Arjuna starts to wise up and he says to Krishna, dosho so, Sisha, this Sisha, uh, Arjuna is saying, now, I always forget the English. Sometimes I can remember the Sanskrit. But if I remember the English, I can't remember the Sanskrit. Oh, old age will get you to. Arjuna says, now I'm confused about my duty and have lost all composure because of miserly weakness. In this condition, I am asking you to tell me for certain what is best for me. Now I am your disciple, and a soul surrendered unto you. Then he says the magic words, please instruct me. Now that's when you know you're fit, and you can go for it. I'm ready. I want to hear. So this sis yastiham shalimam tvam papanam. Do you have it up there? I have a picture of Arjuna and Krishna in the chariot. Sisha. This sisha is disciple. I'm your disciple. So that means now I'm your student. You are my. I'm recognizing you as my authority, and I'm ready because I'm confused. I was confused about my duty, although. I didn't think I was. I thought I knew exactly what to do. Remember all those arguments that Arjuna put? He made some good arguments, didn't he? It sounded good on why he shouldn't. What was one of the arguments that he made? Well, one is just uh, the stature of the, the opposing side. That his grandfather beat me, but he was a great soul. And <laughs> my grandfather. Joy Charlie was his teacher. The teacher and his grandfather. Yeah. Lead to the decay of society in general. Society will cave in if I kill all these people. They'll be homeless children and women unprotected. Their husbands will come home from battle. Because of this, they'll be unwanted progeny and they will ruin the world. So he made some really good arguments. And Krishna's like, he defeats them one after the other. You see? So Arjuna thought he was right. He was convinced. You know, Krishna says, you know, how have these petty weaknesses of the heart fallen upon you? See? So, ultimately, he wants, Krishna wants him, to, I want you to follow my instruction. So here we, here we are. This is what I call the turning point right here. This is a very important verse. I have to remind myself uh, of this uh, often, this is that point where you say, please instruct me. Please, please tell me the truth. Because if you don't, I'm going to have to speculate. Some people may say, but I'm not speculating. I'm just doing what I think I should do, or I'm doing what I want to do. That's not speculation, is it? All right. I'll give you this. Maybe it's educated speculation. You see? But for me to follow your instructions, boy, that's really difficult. But Arjuna has made that point where he's like, you know what? I'm confused. He realized that he was confused. He realized he didn't have it figured out. He actually realized, I need some advice. There's a lot of uh, 
people who come to that position, like people in financial difficulty, um, when they look at their financial empire eroding, they may think, I think I need a financial planner. Ooh, you know, I need some advice. Uh, people oftentimes, when they need it, they don't know. It's like I've heard of, uh, and you probably can back this up, uh, Michelle, is that sometimes when people that are having mental difficulty, they don't know it, do they? They don't know it. So, what do they call it? Sometimes people have an intervention, you know, to help them. And there are a lot of times, what? No. But other people can see. I can see it. You can't see it. So how do I get you to see it? You see? I need you to say, please instruct me. And until you do that, until they do that, what can you do with someone who has this difficulty? You can try, try, try. You know? But until they say, you know what, I think I have a problem. Like people who drink, a lot of times, you know, their liver might be ready to fall out, but they tell you, hey, look, I'm just a social drinker. And they may believe it. They always believe it. You see, so you have to, or drugs, or gambling, or so many things, you know. You know you have, they have to get to the point where they say, I realize I have a situation that I need to deal with, and I think you're the guy that can help me. So please instruct me. Now, then there's progress. You can make progress. You can become fit, spiritually fit. And then you maintain your spiritual fitness. How do we maintain it? Anybody? Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask something else. Can we answer that? Huh? Yeah, okay. Just don't let me forget where I am because I... No, I can. I'll try to answer that. Now we stay fit by um, keeping that vibration of our mentor um, really relevant in our mind and our consciousness so we can always continue to follow it. How do you get physically fit? Your fitness trainer training. Huh? Mental trainer. Yeah. So how do you maintain physical fitness? You continue. <laughs> you see? Uh, so yeah. I get fit uh, because I admit that I need some direction. I still have free will. Krishna's not going to take away your free will. Yeah. Like my question, I had a conversation the other day about finding the proper mentor, like knowing who is who is actually going to give me good information. Because there's so many people who say that they they make us spiritually fit. Well, that's a good point. And a lot of people choose a spiritual mentor based on uh, style. You know, well, I'm, if, if he's my mentor, you're going to know that I'm cool. You know? Isn't it? You're going to think, everybody's going to think I'm cool because, you know, that's that's my mentor. You know, we... Uh, It just is, you know. So, does that answer your question? Yeah, so that's that's like one way not to choose a mentor. But like on the positive side, like how do we determine? Connect. Connect. How do you know who to get married to? <laughs> who do you fall in love with? You see? Hmm. So... But there, I don't know of any directions where you read, here's how you fall in love. Go someplace and wait for eye contact, and then you say, what's your sign? Uh, is there directions? Well, it just kind of happens, doesn't it? You're associating with someone, and there's some connection. Later on, you may learn what their sign is. Oh, really? You're a Sagittarian? Oh, cool, you know. But it's not what you, you know, 
So you see what I mean? So you're saying they give up all the superficial reasons and really get to know the qualities of the person. Yeah, no, what do you mean by that? Like, over time, what they speak, what they say, how, how they relate to their guru. Right. And, and how they may, uh, maintain their vows and how they relate to other people. In other words, you get to, you get to start to relate with someone on the soul level. Otherwise, it's all superficial, you see? Very superficial, you see? So, does that make any sense? Is, yeah? Well, I was thinking about a couple mentors that I've had in my life, and the reason I was drawn to them is because they they had characteristics that I, I wanted to learn because I wanted to also have that in my life, so I wanted to be like that. So I don't know if that's a way of also you know, approaching the No, that is. Stuff. No, that is. Positively. But at some point, uh, a guru and taking a guru and uh, getting married, they're very similar in many ways in that it's, it's you make a commitment. You meet, you make a commitment. You have some exchange. You make some con connection, you see? And so then you make some commitment to each other, you know? And not a casual commitment. It's like a long term. How long? Yeah, Prophet, you let us know. This is forever. <laughs> this is eternal. You see? Even if you don't make it, my relationship with you is eternal. I'm coming back for you. You see? So, yeah, we have to make that connection. So, uh, that's, yeah, that's how we choose a mentor, you know? Yeah. But to kind of get back to what Atul was saying, you, you asked Atul, what, like, a, how do you find a, a mentor or whatever, like a spiritual mentor? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the qualities in them is how you know, that they can't be deviating from uh, the philosophy and inputting their own opinion into getting that intertwined with philosophy. But well, maybe I won't know that. Maybe I won't know that they're deviating because I'm thinking, wow, just look who this person is. So I don't, I, I look past you know, it's like, what if somebody introduced you to uh, uh, a beautiful movie star? Um, help me here, a beautiful movie star. <laughs> Jennifer Aniston. Is that her name? Is that? Yes. The one was on Friends? Yeah. All right. They introduced you, and I hope she's not listening. I doubt she is, but I'm not being offensive, Jennifer, you know. Or anybody who, you know, a fan of Jennifer. You have to be so, you have to be so careful nowadays. So, uh, what if you fall in love with her because she's pretty? And then later on you find out that there's something weird about her, you know, something really strange. You see what I mean? But you fell for the... It's Jennifer Hennis. You go out with me? Wow. Will you, you'll marry me? Well, and then later on you find out. Hey, wait a minute. You know, I didn't know that you were. So sometimes it's, you know, the mag... What's the word? Magnanimity? I'm, I'm having... Magnanimity. Yeah, you know... Is so like, oh, it's you, it really is you, you know. Or, gee, well, how do you put, uh, I want you to be my wife, or I want you to be my mentor. Before you find out, you know, if you knew that before, people may say, well, there's Jennifer Aniston, she's really beautiful. And you say, yeah, you know what, let me tell you, she's a nice person, but you don't want to marry her, you know. And of course, people may say, I don't care what you say, I want to marry her anyway. 
No? No. You have free will. You can do, this free will can, uh, you can take it, you know, you can ride that free will any direction you want. Krishna will not take away your free will. Even if you ask him to, he'll, he'll, he'll take away practically all of it if you beg him to. But you're still going to have that. He's not going to make you his slave. But you can ask Krishna, please take away this free will. Because I, I make bad decisions. So Krishna may give you so much service, and such intense service, that it's like you have to react to your service to him out of love and devotion. But still, you may think, well, I want to go, and, and Krishna's feeling this, if you like, if you like. We're not prisoners, you see. Yeah. Do you think Prabhupada talked, like in those, that language, about almost like a courting process? The way that he described how the guru and disciple connect with one another. And like he said, like at least one year they should observe one another and get to know yeah. one another. So it sounds like courting almost. Although we didn't always follow that. You know, some people, many people were initiated much, much quicker than that. But as a general, depends on the person. We because this is a personal situation and we're all individuals we're not there's no cookie cutter program so we can't it's kind of like it may take you a year it might take you six months i can remember some people were initiated on the spot Prabhupada met them you know you knew you're ready to go it's kind of like, like she was describing that just to help us to understand like what you're saying basically we need to really get to be confident in that particular person. Yeah. Yes, so uh, let me move on. This is this is a fun exercise. In Bhagavad Gita, such an, an interesting uh, it's an interesting book because in the second chapter Krishna summarizes. We've talked about this before. It's amazing. It's 18 chapters, and yet in the second chapter, Krishna summarizes the whole contents of the Gita. That's pretty amazing, you know? Then, in the 18th chapter, he summarizes again. Why? Because sometimes we need to hear it twice. Sometimes we need to hear it much more than twice. But Krishna doesn't want to just throw it out there. You get it one time, get it, or, you know, forget it. forget it. Get it or forget it. So Krishna said, he comes back in the 18th chapter, in the 73rd verse, and he talks about this subject again. Krishna says, or Arjuna says, uh, I don't know if I've got the right verse. Yeah, this is Musta. Musta Mahanas. Okay. Uh, Arjuna said, my dear Krishna, oh infallible one, this is the result of sisyasteham shalimam tvam papanam. This is the result of saying, you are now my guru, please. Arjuna says, my dear Krishna, oh infallible one, my illusion is now gone. I have regained my memory by your mercy. I am now firm and free from doubt and am prepared to act according to your instructions. Arjuna comes back and repeats that moment, that ah moment that he had with Krishna there. Says it again. My dear Krishna, oh infallible one, I'm realizing that you won't fail me. You're infallible. By Arjuna recognizing that Krishna was infallible, he's actually speaking out loud what he's thinking. And he actually says it. I'm recognizing you as infallible because my doubts are gone. You've taken away my doubts. I'm not the slightest bit questioning what you say. Which is exactly what he was saying in the seventh verse in the second chapter. You know, please instruct me. 
I have regained my memory uh, by your mercy. I'm recognizing that you're infallible. I'm going to listen to your every word, and I'm going to follow it. I am now free from doubt, and I'm prepared to act according to your instructions. So I do this. This is, he's warming. He's solidifying his loving relationship with Krishna. By your words, my doubts are gone. My doubts have been overcome. You see? Yeah. It's pretty sweet how he doubted himself, but he fully trusted Krishna. Huh? It's pretty sweet how he doubted himself, but he fully trusted Krishna. Right, right. That's a good, that's a really good point. Arjuna's doubts were within himself. You see? So, but he fully trusted Krishna. So what does Krishna say later on? <laughs> I can just see Krishna saying that. That is my opinion. <laughs> you know, it's Krishna, you know. What do you do with a guy like Krishna? You know, he's standing there. Where's that verse that we'll go there? Um, that Krishna says, uh, What's, how does it start? Well, I've, I can't even read that. I've told you the story. These are my words. It's my opinion. Yeah. Now, do with it as you will. Is that by the end? Yeah. Chapter? It's 18. 18. Later on. This was 73rd verse. We not far after that. What did Krishna say? I'm paraphrasing. I'm not quoting Krishna, but basically he was saying, this is my opinion. And Krishna still renounced. He says, so do with it as you will. He doesn't say, if you don't do this, you're going to burn in hell, or I'm going to follow you around and punish you, or I'm going to curse your family. Krishna says, that is my opinion. Do with it as you will. Was it? Go in peace. <laughs> Live long and prosper. <laughs> Krishna says, do with it as you will. Take it and go with it. Krishna has better mudras, right? Yeah. Better Plus, <laughs> he can make them up as he goes. <laughs> Not only that, you can change him around if you want to. What do you do with a guy like Krishna? You just surrender and say, tell me more. I just love it when you say that. <laughs> so, uh, how to get fit and how to maintain fitness in the spiritual. You do the same thing, the same thing it takes you to get fit. Ar Arjuna described it. He became fit spiritually. My dear Krishna, I'm ready for you to instruct me. Tell me the next move. You see? And then later on, hey, my doubts are all gone. You've removed my doubts. Oh, infallible one. You see? That's very important that he calls Krishna oh, infallible one. That's like saying, I don't have any doubts. He doesn't say mostly infallible or somewhat infallible or I'm recognizing. So any questions, comments? Kind of a comment. Yeah. All right. Bottom line is Arjuna is being instructed to um, kill kill the you know to kill the other side which includes even the man that taught him archery and then his yeah. father and cousins and stuff like that like that so and he's feeling weak need about that and he doesn't want to have to do that but the other fact of the matter is is that Krishna says do this you know do this or don't do this but if you don't do this they're gonna kill you. And so it's basically yeah. self-defense. Not only that, but the real point that Krishna made 
is that they're already dead. Yes, they are. It's a big point. I've already made the decision. I just want to give the credit to you because you're my close, beloved friend. These guys, it's happened, but it's out there in time. And I am time. Time I am. So it's already happened because I willed it. I want you to do it. You see, I want you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, along your point, I, I always thought it was interesting how Krishna, like, I hope I get this right, said, I want you to have the credit, right? I want yeah. you to be recognized, which always means, like, well, that's kind of like a material recognition. Or I wonder, can you say more about what Krishna's. What I, want, I, want, he, I want to give you the fame. I, in other words, Krishna's desire, the, the, the devotee spends so much time glorifying Krishna. Krishna wants to glorify you too. It's not like it's all a one-sided thing and Krishna's like, oh, you're glorifying me. Yeah, just keep it coming. Keep it coming. You're on the right path. More, more, more. That's not a loving exchange. Love is reciprocal. So I want to do something for you. I can see the future because I am the future. I know what's going to happen there. I want to glorify you. I will empower you. And you can do this wonderful thing. And for eternity, your glory will be remembered. Now, Krishna could have just gone or wiggled his nose. You know? Remember Bewitched? You know? I can't do it. Krishna could have just switched. Or he could have just thought it. And it would all be it would all have been changed. And nobody would even know that it was even one way to be changed another. It was just the way it is. And people would think it's always been this way. He could have done that. But because of this loving reciprocal relationship, he wanted uh our Arjuna to, to be glorified. He always yeah. wants his, his disciples, uh, the devotees, to be glorified. You know? He yeah. kind of like dismisses it from being a material recognition to spiritual one. That's what Michelle was suggesting. Yeah, it's not a material recognition. To many people, it will be. To many people, they're going to think, oh, he's such a great warrior, you see. But uh, to Krishna, I want the world to see. I want you to be seen as a great warrior. Of course you're a great warrior. But I want the world to see your greatness. But what's shining through to the spiritualists, the materialists are going to say, wow, Arjuna is a great warrior. Don't mess with him. But to the spiritual people, they're going to see what a great devotee Arjuna is. So the glorification from those who have devotional consciousness is going to be, look what, what a wonderful, did you hear what he said in the seventh verse? You know? Why, Arjuna accepted the empowerment of Krishna. Why, wonderful. You know, what a model devotee. It's an example. The example from, I want to be like that guy. You see so there, somebody had asked a question about choosing a, a mentor. Therein is the answer. Arjun is a perfect devotee, completely surrendered. He's totally surrendered. Yeah. I was wondering if she was saying, um, this is a like material recognition. And um, you were saying that the materialist would think, oh, Arjuna, he's a great devotee for fighting this battle. But at the same time... The materialist would think he's a great warrior. Warrior, warrior sorry. Warrior, yeah. I, was, I was thinking that too. Anyway, um, but it's interesting because in the second chapter that uh, Krishna also, to get Arjuna to fight, he tells him, you know, if you don't fight, many people will dishonor you for one who's... Yeah, he starts to... Death. <laughs> 
He doesn't remove his free will, but he's being Krishna here. He's trying to influence. Not only will it, will it please me, but you know what? If you don't, then people will criticize you. Because, well, but that's only after Arjuna had said, well, I'd rather be a beggar in the street. <laughs> then I'll get some peace from them. No, you won't get peace because people will go by and they'll spit on you and they'll say, yeah, you're a coward. You won't get your peace. You're thinking, why can't I just steal away? Maybe become a beggar, you know? No one will know it's me, and then I'll be peaceful. No, you won't. You become infamous. So he's negotiating. It's very loving, you know? Krishna never says, you have to do it. It's not really a threat. He's just telling them, you know, you're not going to get the peace that you want if you run from the battle. People will, you know, they'll degrade you. What's your Chaitanyaism do that? I understand context. It's a major. That's a major. Yeah, it's not. You know, you're going. Deal. You won't. You're thinking, well, but I'll get to go enjoy my family. If I don't go kill them, I get to go enjoy my family. Well, no, you won't. They'll all think what a coward you are. And so will everyone. You won't get your peace. You're, you're like you started speaking on like this like material platform. And he was, you know, he even said, he said, you know, this doesn't lead to higher planets, this leads to infamy. Yeah. Like if you die on the battlefield, um, as a as a chatria and you die on the battlefield, you go to the heavenly planets. Yeah. And then he's then he's then he then he like jump he like switches it to the spiritual platform. And then he, he says he says, well, now we're gonna like we're gonna stop talking about it um, according to created work. We're gonna speak about doing something without created work. Yeah, let me tell you about devotional service. Let me tell you about karma yoga. And Ashtangyo, I want to tell you about all, all these different. So Krishna is trying to influence his disciple. You know, let me give you the, the information that you need. That's not forward. interesting how he's doing it like on every platform he's influencing right here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Platform and spiritual. Like a loving friend, a true friend. He's treating Arjuna like a friend. He even says it again and again. Treating him like a friend. He doesn't say, what, Arjuna? What the hell with you? Somebody, hey, how about you? Why don't you go kill him? I'll empower you. Heck with Arjuna. You didn't do that, did he? Well, how dare you? No, you didn't. But Arjuna, have you considered? <laughs> See, so Krishna, Krishna does what we should do most of the time is turn up the sweet. Increase the sweetness. You know, Prabhupada says that, uh, <laughs> I like the way Prabhupada said it. He's telling a story one time. He says, uh, sometimes you have to give the stick. He says, if I'm going and there's one dog and he's barking, I may say hut. That's what Prabhupada always used to say when there was a dog approaching, he'd say hut, and the dog would stop. <laughs> so a dog is coming, he is barking, and I say hut, but he does not hut. So then he gets the stick. One time Prabhupada was walking, he was in Chicago, 1975. Uh, he's on the Oak Street Beach uh, on Lake Michigan. And so he's walking, and Prabhupada was always in the front, you know, he's walking, and this big dog comes running up out of nowhere. You know, you wouldn't think a big dog like that would be loose in Chicago. This big dog comes running up, and he's like, rah, 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 rah. and Prabhupada says, what? And the dog stopped and looked, and then he turned and went away. And all the sannyasis were like, did you see that? So then they go on a little ways, and another big dog comes up. It must be Krishna setting this up just to teach the disciples. Another big dog. He comes up. So Brahmananda Swami, big-bodied sannyasi, 
He jumps out in front of Carl Bundy and says, Hut! And the dog goes, <laughs> And he looked at Prabhupada and Prabhupada said, You must know the science. <laughs> Hut! And the dog, <laughs> You must know the science. <laughs> so, but it works. It does. I've used it. Uh, you remember that time in the Smokies? In the Smokies? <laughs> we, we're, we've got the family down and we're going to picnic right beside this mountain river, you know, like something out of a commercial, this beautiful river flowing. So we're going to build a fire. So Keshava and I went up the mountain and around the bend to get some firewood. Mm -hmm. So we come walking back and we're, I had taken a, a broken tree branch and piled a bunch of wood on it. And so here we are towing this thing down this path. And just as we came around uh, up to the campground, there was a bear on the other side of the river. And so the bear could smell the food because uh, the ladies had set out the table. So the bear wanted to eat the, the lunch. Yeah, he wanted the prasadam now. So here comes the bear across that river. You know, he's coming across that creek. And I'm thinking, no way, you're not going to eat the prasad. So I, I jumped out in front of the hut, and the bear looked at me. <laughs> he turned and he walked away. <laughs> 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 and everybody in the campground, and they already they'd already gotten their cars, and they were like, ah. At first, it's like, hey, look, there's a bear. But then here he comes, and they're like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things you do, and you think back. Maybe if I had that to do over, I would have gotten a car. <laughs> I'm just glad it worked. Was it a black bear or brown bear? Black bear. The black bears are a lot more tamer. Mm. No, they're actually not. Well, the ones Same. in the Smokies, I grew up in that area. Yeah, but actually that's what people think, but the rangers will tell you that the black bears are more aggressive than grizzlies. I, you wouldn't believe that, but I believe what the rangers say. Well, this is all yeah, there's a giant in look at it. I mean, they're bears at the end of the day. <laughs> Black or brown? I don't you know? care what color they are. It's I'm bear. not prejudiced. <laughs> that bear is not you know? It could be pink. Yeah, I don't care. I'm a, I'm a well, I know he was big. Yeah. I don't know if I'd have done that, Guru Dave. I don't know if I'd have risked that. You just give us a little time. I'd be like, hunt! And have some backup just in case. <laughs> I probably had some. Maybe some spray or something, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Some, yeah. Thank you. All right, what do you say we uh, we wrap it up? Yeah. And then we can still discuss while I take prasada. Yeah, But I haven't had anything to eat today. I had kind of a busy day, so this aroma is starting to drive me crazy. So, all right, Hare Krishna, Cyber Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.